No shadow pours today, dude. I did. I don't want to open another bottle of wine. That, a third bottle wouldn't be good considering I have to wake up at like seven thirty. But I decided to just switch over to beer. But fuck, I miss that wine so bad. It's risky mixing, dude. It's risky mixing, dude. Guys, let's get risky. <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do whatever you want at Risky Ranch Pizza. Do whatever you want. It's insane. Go crazy. Have fun. Go nuts. At Risky Ranch Pizza. Do whatever you want. Welcome to the Night Pod Comic, where we talk do about one of my favorites. It's always sunny in philadelphia and it's always sunny here on the night park cometh i am your host jamie g esquire the fifth former world champion of skee-ball oh ski 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 i'm here with magna mills to discuss season 16 episode 6 risk e rats pizza and amusement center i should have grown up in this amusement center maybe i did mills i'm sipping on a glorious I mean, glorious 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon tonight, and it is big jam in the nose, super smooth, absolutely fantastic wine paired well with the filet mignon I just ate, because yes, I am Jamie G. Esquire the fifth, and I'm excited to do Night Pod Cometh tonight. Magna Mills, are you ready to dive into a little animatronic titties? I don't know, man. I think I'm just going to, you know, have fun, go nuts, and do whatever I want. That, that's kind of the thing. We'll see wherever that takes me. <laughs> I am Magna Mills, and I hope you are having fun checking out the Night Pod Cometh. Find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube or on social media at Night Pod Cometh. And, you know, sometimes when you have too much fun doing whatever you want, you forget things. But you never want to forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, and we greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, please remember... To give us that thought. It's better than the, you know, whatever 500 tickets you got to trade in for a box of nerds or something. Excuse me, nerds, nerd. Well, you've got that. <laughs> they do have that. We absolutely need you to know that The Night Pod Cometh is a full-on spoiler show. Okay, so we're spoiling shit here. You need to know it. Everything associated with Sunny, including all previous episodes, podcasts, interviews, etc., etc. Jamie G does declare. It could come up in our discussion, and it might, all right, when we break down Risky Rats, Pizza, and Amusement Center, right here, right now. This is your only warning. Yeah, the spoilers will not creep up on you like Jamie G's Southern accent. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) This is Season 16, Episode 60, 168th overall episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, titled Risky Rats, Pizza, and Amusement Center, originally aired July 5th, 2023. Directed by Nina Pedrad, this is the first episode of Sunny that she's directed. Written by Rob Brunzel, this is his 23rd written by credit on Sunny. Guest starring Ian Sharkey as Stan, H. Michael Corner as Dog, Chi Kang as Allie, Curry Baker as Joey, Leo Magalini as Water Fountain Kid, Andrew Collins as Duck, Andrew Gonzalez as Server, and Randy Gaia as someone else. The short plot synopsis is, the gang goes to Risky Rats only to find that all the riskiness has systematically been replaced with safety and overcautiousness. Dennis and Charlie try to find the old ride with the animatronic boobs. Detects Frank on a scavenger hunt. There's been a bunch of awesome notable callbacks so far this year. Do we have any in this episode? Any notable callbacks we should reference here or just references in general, like anything that they've kind of put back into play? 
Yeah, not as many callbacks as the other episodes of the season from previous episodes, but a lot of references here basically to the Chuck E. Cheeses of the world, uh, Showbiz Pizza, Major Magics, whatever they were called in your area. We see kind of some parodies right from the look of the place to the name of the band members. The removal of the animatronic band and flavor of people in costumes is basically what has happened in those restaurants. So again, kind of keeping up with that here. And as you might have noticed from the guest stars, uh, Leo McElhenney, that's Rob McElhenney and Caitlin Olsen's son, real-life son, Leo. And uh, one of the animal costumes is actually the old uh, Wrexham AFC. That's the uh, football club that Rob owns with Ryan Reynolds that was on uh, Wrexham on uh, FX. Good joke. You should check it out. And uh, that was their old uh, mascot, the Rockin' Robin. Very, very cool stuff there, Magna Mills. Appreciate you doing the digging. Let's open it up with our overall thoughts here, man. I mean... I could see how some people may be down on this episode. Maybe it didn't give them everything they wanted with where it could have went. But for me, I'm going to double down on how high I am on this episode based on the fact that it appealed to me, to my demographic. I understand that that's risky. I understand that they're forgetting about generations and different people that would. But honestly, dude, I don't care about that. The fact that they have the balls to do it. And just hitting on the classic Sunny kind of like we're going to take something that's happening in the world that's a real issue. And we're going to make it funny and talk about it when people don't know how to talk about it. They did that throughout this entire episode and it was absolutely just perfect. It was very funny to me. It appealed to everything from my childhood growing up. Yes, that shit was kind of real, dude. Like, that's how shit was. Like, there wasn't a lot of censoring. You don't believe me? Just go watch Spaceballs and figure out how they had a PG rating. Like, it's wild. That's how shit was in the 80s and the 90s, man. Like, shit was crazy. I appreciate for that. I I enjoyed this one. I think they're on a bit of a run here, Magnum Mills. Season 16 is kind of a heater. Mm, so you're saying that your Schwartz is as big as mine? Is that what I'm hearing from over there? May the Schwartz be with you, my friend. And the merchandising. It's all about the merchandising. Let me start out with kind of the couple of things I, I didn't like really. I think some of the, you know, shit was better back in my day kind of bits were a little bit forced and repetitive at times. And Matt kind of got stuck. There was no real payoff to his plot line. You know, I mean, he was kind of like childlike and that was funny. And then it was like, okay, where's he going with it? And there really didn't, I thought he was going to have some kind of realization. Even at the end in the final montage, you just see him at the door. He's the only one that doesn't really get something to do. So I thought they kind of didn't quite know where they were going with the Mac plot line after the kind of ticket arc at the beginning there. Yeah. But cards on the table. I mean, the ending was so good. It pretty much blew out any complaints I might have. Uh, One of these better episodes of the season all the random details, the background stuff at Risky's, I, I was really appreciative of. There's some great background jokes, that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely a, another one I enjoyed overall. And, and I'll just say too, like with D, like D, I think D's been fantastic. She just hadn't really been used. We finally got a oh, 100%. It's nothing on Caitlin Olsen. It's like they just, they didn't have enough room in the stories for her kind of, you know, right. the only kind of decentered story we've had is the Gengar curse. And even that kind of spun out pretty wildly with the uh, Chase Utley thing. Absolutely. Got overshadowed yeah. a little bit. It was nice to get her here. And and, and I agree with you on those things you didn't like. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Appreciate that, Magna Mills. Shit, why don't you do the recap for us, dude? You're on one here. Uh, when we get through that, then, you know what, Magna Mills? I'll let you do whatever you want. Jamie G, Esquire. The fifth. It's time 15 a.m. on a Thursday. The gang are in the Range Rover on their way to Risky Rats. They get hyped up by listening to the Risky Rats song and talking about their memories of the place. Hell, Charlie saw his first set of boobs there. 
They're pretty fired up, but they decide to blast the song one more time before we cut to the title card. I don't think this is, you know, we've got a couple of top tier cut to title cards here. I don't think it's top tier, but you have to say anytime the gang is in the Range Rover basically is gold, right? Pretty much, dude. Like, I mean, anytime, like, it just seems to, like, gravitate that. Dude, dude, even Dennis by himself in the Range Rover is pretty gold. Like, I mean. Any singing in the Range Rover is definitely, like, classic. Yes, dude. It's a finisher for a reason. It is a finishing man's car. It, it, you know, a couple of funny notes. You get the idea where you're going when you hear like Justine, the teen dream, and that she's in the animatronic no rules band. That is just, yeah, I wonder how many alts they went through in the writer's room on that one. You know, you hear the train to Kid City, all this stuff. And then back in Frank Day, you know, it's a paddling room. I always think of Jasper from The Simpsons. Oh, that's a paddling. That's a paddling right there. Uh, good stuff. And I have to say that the theme song is just way too catchy, which makes it feel very real. It's so catchy. So catchy, in fact, it's been stuck in my head for, for about a week. Far <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 72 hours minimum. Uh, yeah, you, you tell me. I mean, let's be honest, man. I mean, arcade games, pizza, comedy, what more do you want in a place? I mean, throw in a little alcohol and a, a happy ending, and uh, I would probably move in. Dude, the fact that this place had a bar for the parents, and that, like, I could picture. Oh, we're going to talk about that bar. That's apparently a legendary bar, a so- legendary, legendary bar, soundproof like- bar. Like they could do happy hour and then just let the kids do whatever they want in risky rats and then come together for a show at the end. Like that's just very cool. This this place, I'm telling you, kids, places like this used to exist and we're 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 worse off because we don't have them anymore. Well, Jamie, you know who to blame. The insurance companies. True. After the opening credits, the gang arrives at Risky Rats. They reluctantly sign some waivers, falsely, and make their way inside. Mac heads off to redeem some old tickets and play skee-ball, while Dennis and Charlie decide to find Justine the teen dream. That leaves Frank and Dee to go on the joke hunt. I, I was trying to remember this, this joke hunt thing, right? Like, uh, the clues on, on things of cheese or something? I don't remember that. Was that real? And then I started thinking, I'm like, are they just doing a Mike Hunt thing? Is it just every time you say joke hunt, like, is that really the, the gag? And I think it might be. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you remember? I don't remember this. I'm almost positive that they were going with that, but it actually worked for me. I I'll just say this. I like the pairings. Yeah, definitely. The D and Frank was good in the Dennis and Charlie. Is not used a ton? But that is a a very top notch pairing. Unfortunately, Matt kind of flails by himself sometimes unless he's paired up with a solid guest star or something like that. So I, I think that's kind of the dynamic we get in this episode. But you know, it's still a pretty good time. And we mentioned it. I, I looked online, apparently, Chuck E. Cheese's. I don't know that they necessarily have a bar, but some of locations do serve wine and beer for what it's worth. So they got that going for them. But, you know, I don't know if you can do shots at uh, anywhere except Risky's maybe back in the day. Let's just address the elephant in the room here, Magnum Mills. This was pretty realistic, right? It wasn't so far-fetched from, like, how things used to be, was it? I mean, a little bit maybe here and there, but you can kind of imagine a world where it's like, yeah, that's kind of how it used to be. Like enough to be realistic. Wasn't it? I'm trying to remember. I feel like back in my day, it was maybe, was it showbiz pizza? I think it was showbiz and that, that eventually became major magic. And then Chuck E. Cheese's do not know if it's still open, but I, I feel like it was more, you saw the show and you ate the pizza and you had like pictures of Pepsi or whatever. And then you would go into the, the big arcade room that had a ball pit and all the ski ball and everything like that. And then the parents would then sit there and drink, I'm assuming wine and pitchers of beer. 
So there really wasn't a bar and it wasn't like they were isolated in some soundproof food, but you kind of did go in the, in the other area. And I feel like there were like no parents allowed signs and little gags like that and everything like that. So it was supposed to be kind of all cool and, and on isolated. So it's like, you know, you're, you're putting your, you tell your parents like, all right, Bozo, get out of here. I thought we were going to be a huge Bozo episode. We got too early and then they stopped. I'm like, oh, everyone's going to get a Bozo. And they didn't. I always love Bozo. It's right up there with dick names for me. Bozo. I'm high on Bozo. I agree. And it's a pretty good physical comedy here with Frank. When you see a broken water fountain, he's trying to use it just a, you know, a fried cardboard French fry container to drink the water. That's just great. Danny DeVito and the kid talking to him there. That's Leo McElhenney. That's Robin Cason's son. So if you ever wondered what would happen if uh, Mac and D had a baby, it would look like that. Great point here. And what I love about this even more is Frank literally had a water stain for half the episode. He literally had just water stain on the side because he was spilling it all over himself. I really like that. They kept that going. Like, that was cool. Shout out to kid who played the, the, you know, the person, the employee trying to get them to sign those forms. I like how Dennis all, you know, he's like, okay, we'll sign the forms again back. Hey, cool, man. Here's a little something for you. That's not my name. He's like, well, there's more to it. And just kind of gives up on him. And that does yeah. come back around at the very end. Uh, I really did enjoy that small bit there. And shout out Mac, dude. He's been collecting those tickets for how long do you think? 20 years? You see all the different colors and everything? You wonder when's the last Easy. time he's been back? Like, I feel like Mac goes every couple months or something. Yeah, I th- that might be just like a one-off Mac goes and, and by himself kind of thing. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. We follow Mac over to the prize counter as he tries to redeem his tickets, but it doesn't go well for him. Orange space lasers have replaced rifles. Switchblade combs are a thing of the past, and they don't even have Big League Chew or candy cigarettes. Shit, he can't even get an extra-large atomic fireball. Well, at least he can still get a box of nerds. Jamie G, I, I just have to ask you, Name me one thing that has what you would call a good smoky bag. If I had to go with one, I'd say that one chick at the bar after she said three Jaeger bombs and a half a pack of menthols. That's a real solid guess. Um, I'm I'm gonna st- I'm gonna I'm gonna second that. I, 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 there's no point in recreating the wheel. All right. Well, I'll cover you with the smell of firecrackers mixed with food being cooked on a grill. That's also a good smoky bang. I'll let you redeem yourself. Tell us about switchblade combs. Oh my god, this was the best this if you had this you were cool like there was no like going the combs were terrible though out. admit the combs themselves did not work well unless you had very they did thin not hair work well if you had thin there hair all right no... if you had any kind of like thickness courses to your hair not great bob dude they were not multi-use they weren't actual combs it was just you lived for the concept of it looked like a switchblade and you popped it open and it was a thing it came out like a switchblade it was cool. It made you cool. Dude, still to this day, one of the best things I have ever owned. Like, it was that awesome. Like, that thing That thing got me friends, dude. That got me places. Like, it was very, very cool. Um, you know where it would get you now? You know where it would get you now? Where would it get Shot. Me? It would get you shot. Probably. More times than it not. Would. If you pulled that out. It would get you shot. Unfortunately, it was that realistic though back in the day, dude. All right, well, we'll put it up on screen if you're watching on the YouTube. So we lived during a different time, Magna Mills. And you know what? The guys, the gang lived during that time. And it's cool that they called that back because, like, that's like that's right up there with like, remember those like glow in the dark, like MC Hammer, like wristbands you would like put on you and they would snap close and they would like, it's like that same era, dude. Like, that was very cool. Like the snap bracelets, like you'd 
you just slap somebody with it and like close on them. Mills, you know what I'm talking about here? What the snap bracelets? Yes, snap bracelets. <laughs> and that's all they were, I think. That's all they were, but they were cool. Some glue in the dark. Uh, either way, same era. Switchblade Combs were the shit. And if you actually look, as far as I'm concerned, all of the prize options are terrible. Max says, like, gives a shout out to Game Boy and mentions PlayStation, but I don't really see PlayStation stuff there. Maybe I'm old, but the best thing I see is they have like travel battleship and connect four. I'm like, all right, that 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 might be decent. And again, this is where we get the second bozo. Matt calls the the counter chick bozo, and she's nothing but nice to him. And he asks for candy cigarettes, and the girl says they're illegal, which is I don't think the case in Philadelphia, but very interesting. And uh, Jamie G, here's some candy cigarette brands. Victory, Kings, Lucky Lights, Roundup, Stallions, Target. Give me one good fictional candy cigarette brand name. I'm gonna go with um sh- I'm gonna go with Sugar Smokes. I like that. I had a lot of I had the double S2, I had Silky Smooth and Smoking Sticks, but shout out Predators. I, I just feel like Predators would be a good name <laughs> for a very super ironic name for uh, candy cigarettes. And these were really a thing. I, I do remember these, and I think some of them they would even like initially blow like a puff of sugar out of it. Yeah, it would it would come out and it would appear like smoke because it was like dried like like sugar. Uh, there were cigar ones that would do that, and they even had like a red tip to make it look like it was yeah. burning. Yeah, the red tip. Yeah, I forgot these, about that. These were pretty realistic back in the day. Like honestly, like yes, we used to go and like walk to like Rite Aid or CVS or whatever it was back in the day and like sneak these. They were a thing, dude. Like you remember, dude? You remember like you remember like the burgers that were like all like candy and they had like each individual thing and like it was like. I don't know. It was a crazy thing. I don't know if you remember those or not. I didn't do candy too much. Like I didn't. I really wasn't a candy kid, so I didn't. I I, I more was like my candy was like the gum and baseball card packs. Maybe that was probably uh, where I was getting it in. Uh, The only other thing I'll point out is again, well, yeah, Big League Chew was definitely. I remember people using that like crazy during Little League games, and they sold it right the Little League concession stand. Absolutely, Big League Chew was was huge. Everyone, everyone was getting their uh, getting a dip in with the Big League Chew. And again, yep. the background gags here are great. You see a game behind Mac that's just called Virtual Rabbit. The only thing that ever could remind me of was remember Roy from Rick and Morty, where you just go on and live as Roy. I'm like, you just live as a rabbit and you have to forage and hop around and stuff like that. Is that what Virtual Rabbit is? And then you actually see a kid just right behind Mac, and he basically has an identical like plastic grocery bag filled with you know tons of tickets, like as many as Mac in all different colors and everything. But he's you know thirty years younger than Mac, so I thought that was just a nice little. I, I don't know if they were going for something; it was just a gag for the sake of a gag. But I definitely chuckled. You know, I didn't even notice that until maybe the third time I watched it. Charlie and Dennis hit a roadblock in their search for animatronic titties when they find that the mouse hall is being replaced with a merchandise superstore. They get fired up about things not being the way they used to be, and they start kicking down a construction barrier in hopes of finding Risky and the animatronic titties. And Jamie G, I have to say this was a very hysterical scene, but what's up with Risky, man? We hear Risky, Risky, Risky. We never see Risky. We never get a picture of him. Who do you think he was? Is this the same guy as like a Willy Wonka situation who opened it when he was young, when it was Frank's day? And like, you know what I mean? He was getting up in the age when it was in the 80s. Is it just an animatronic rat? Is that a guy in a costume? Does Risky change? Do they hire Risky? Like, just change him in like what's up with risky man no 
but Frank talks about him hitting people in the back of the head and talking and stuff. I don't know. I think he, well, in the 50s, they didn't have animatronics. So for Frank, it was probably a real person. Dude, that's what the bone's for. He just embodied everything that risky rats stand for. Like, have fun, do anything, go crazy. But one thing that I like what they did here, I wanted to see him, but they kind of kept him like the wizard of Oz, right? Like he was kind of the, he was kind of Oz. You never really saw him. See, that's what I wanted though. Like I wanted that kind of like man behind the curtain, but I wanted the whole episode to be more or less like what we got kind of in the dentist in Charlie Paul line. And then at the end, like I wanted to Same. go deep into the bowels and do like a Goonies thing and explore and then either find the actual risky or the, the corpse of the guy who owned the joint or something, or even just pictures of him. And then you find out there was some weird other thing, like, you know what I mean? Where they do a twist in, right. the, in the back half or something like that. I think the ending was top tier. I'm not complaining about that. I just might have structured the episode differently. But if they had that ending in mind, I, I don't hate that they just were like, all right, let's get, you know, let's just have fun and get to that ending. And that's where sometimes I think that like 22 minutes is challenging. When they get into an episode like this where there's so much you can do, sometimes it's like, damn, dude, I wouldn't mind if Sonny was like 48 minutes. Like if they're if they're like an hour episode with with commercial breaks, like I, like sometimes like episodes like this is like, yeah, dude, this could have been an hour. Like it, it really could have been. For what it's worth, if I remember correctly, back in the day, I remember reading some of the Simpsons writers, and they said when they the episodes dropped from twenty four minutes to twenty two, and they started putting in more commercials, which is the you know the standard now. It might even be less than that. That they basically had to lose an entire plot line because there was no way to pay it off, and just like instead of having maybe even be able to go all the way down to a D plot. You know, sometimes they have to just stick with the A and B plots and just overstuff them because they couldn't fit in a whole C plot or feel shortchanged or something like that. So I think you're spot on in that, that even an extra two, three minutes would give them, you know, some flexibility. You've seen that on streaming now, right? Where yeah, I think the good ones, like the bear was especially good about for the most part, they can run you know, a little five minutes short, five minutes long, but they're in the same ballpark here. You know, you don't want to do something like Ted Lasso did and start out being like a half hour sitcom and then start doing these hour and 10 minute dramedy thing. Sons of Anarchy got guilty of that when they were allowed to have extended episodes at the end. So it happens even to, to good shows. Uh, yep. What's up with Dennis and these titties? Why is he so obsessed? Well, I think it's just Dennis in general. Like he, they're titties that he should have saw. He didn't like, I don't know that Dennis can live with himself without seeing them. Right. Like it, this is so Dennis, right? Like, wait a minute, titties that like I was here and I could have saw and I didn't he has to make that right. Right. Like in his mind and Dennis's mind, that's like, that's like the ultimate wrong. And now he has an opportunity to potentially make it right. I think he's hooked on that. It, cards on the table. I think because we know the last uh, episode of the season is going to deal with Dennis and his mental health. I think they're setting up some reveals about his childhood. And I think this might play into that a little bit. It just, I have to say, hope so. I, I just cracked up when they start when Charlie's just like, and he just looks around and starts kicking the thing. And they start, that's not really how you go around. You go around those things, guys, are over them. You don't kick them over. Well, th this was just so funny, too. And they're, <laughs> you know, when they start to like that whole thing, like trying to break in, like, I love Dennis and Charlie. We, I said it at the beginning, we don't get enough of it. Dude, when they go off and do a thing, it's usually gold, man. Yeah, people love the Charden, they call them the Charden plot lines. Those are always absolutely it's a huge win. Like a lot of times Dennis just gets stuck with Mac because they can't really do anything with Mac. Like Mac can't be alone. And there's five, right? So somebody's kind of so like they have to like so a lot of times Dennis gets stuck with Mac. But I think 
I think Dennis Charlie is a great angle, man. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, I guess last thing before we move on, you think they got? We didn't see him pre gaming in the Range Rover, but they had to be at least a little lubed up before this, right? Based on how they came in hot with Homie with the thing, dude. Like, yeah, they had to. They had a few drinks in them. I gotta believe. I wish we would have seen it a little bit. Maybe they smuggled in some flasks or something like that, just to add a little bit of reason to why they're kind of get. You know, gotta believe the gang. I mean, they do what they got to do anyway. Back in the arcade, Max playing skee ball when he meets a kid who's trying to win ten thousand tickets. After initially bonding, they start arguing. Max thinks that the kid should do whatever he wants, while the kid wants to check with his mom. It gets a little heated, and an employee in a dog costume comes over to take Mac and the kid to the timeout room. Uh, JBG, I, I only have one real question for you. What's the best technique to use in ski ball? Dude, for me, it's all in the wrist. It's 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 like that. So like it's like Michael Jordan. How he had that flip where he just and he'd hang it. For me, it's the reverse, and you gotta hang it. You gotta hang it. It's that reverse. So show your age here. When you first started playing ski ball, did those hundred joints exist in the top corners? No, they did not exist when I started playing. They so did not, there was no hundos up there, dude. No way. Like no I would way. say, you have to throw the hundo straight up. You can't uh, hit it off the bumper. But everything else, I definitely got into the bumper technique. I was right. Bumper technique. right handed, like, so you go off the right bumper and you hit towards the end, and it's right up into that fifty. Like, like, dude, depending on, depending on my flip, like I could get into a bank situation where I'm like, where I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking Patrick Ewing on the glass, dude. Like I'm banking all day, but like it, ha- it all depends on what type of mood I'm in with this flip. But a lot of times it's, 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 it's backboard and banking, dude. Like, I think that's powerful. Hey, if it was good enough for God and dogma, it, it's good enough for anybody. I do enjoy the ski ball. And out, Mac is right. I remember back in the day. I'm pretty sure the ski balls themselves were made out of actual wood, I think. What do you remember they them were, being made dude, of? They were super heavy. 100% they were heavy. And yeah. They chip, were, right? They wouldn't crack. They chip kind of. I feel they were wooden. And to Max point, like, yeah, you, you might not beat somebody's skull in, but dude, if you threw that at somebody's face, it would be like hitting them in the face with a baseball. It wasn't a, sure. right. It wasn't a lacrosse ball, but it was basically a solid. It's a baseball, maybe just short of 100%. 100%. I think it was all wood, dude, to be honest with you. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a air it wasn't air in there, dude. Like it was solid. No, it was a softer wood. It wasn't like a great good walnut or an oak or something. It was a cheaper wood, but they were I, I am pretty sure wood, wood. yeah. That's yeah, what she said. Wood. Depends yeah. on the day. Uh and if you look behind again, nice good gag. You just see what I'm assuming is just a giant version of Space Invaders. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. And shout out Space Invaders. Again, it fits right with the kind of motif of the people of a certain age. Space Invaders was a thing, man. Like, I played Space Invaders and Pac-Man in those old school games, and I loved the shit out of them. Dude, yes. The the controller was different. The whole world was different, dude. Dude, it's America. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And shout out Mac for just telling the kid, I was really good back in the day. Better than you. After complimenting him. That's what I love about it. He compliments him, and then he's like, how did you get all the... I was really good, better than you. I, it's a complicit, dude. It's that, a complicit. That's what they call it. It's complicit. Yes. Passive-aggressive reaches a new level with, with, with this. Uh, yeah. Frank and Dee's joke hunt takes them to the eating area. They continue to reminisce about how things used to be, and Dee orders some mozzarella sticks. They find the final joke, and they're very disappointed in Dapper Duck, who used to be Dingbat Duck. D takes it very personally that he no longer stutters. 
Uh, Jamie G, what is up with your uh, delightful, delectable diction? Yeah, that's good diction. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have good diction and you deliver good diction. But today I'm just going to say, Magnum Mills, again, one of the things I love about this episode and and just sunny throughout kind of their 16 seasons, they have this unique kind of uncanny ability to take topics that not a lot of people want to talk about that maybe there's a light on and they exaggerate them into this form of comedy that we love. This whole episode is one big, just one big catechism of that. Like it's just, they just nail it. And all along, they don't know what satire really means. And that's what's so great about this. And they do it so well for that type of episode, way up there for me. And I don't know, man, the joke hunt thing in theory actually sounds really fun. And it's kind of like, I don't know if that was a stab on like, you know, like Pokemon, like back in the day, we used to have to find clues and like actually pick them up and go on hunts and find them and shit. Now you can like scan them and see like, like it's just different. I think that was kind of a cool little play on that. Fair enough. I I think that probably makes sense. I mean, you had three kind of main gags in this scene. I will say my least favorite was kind of the one with the jokes where Frank talking about putting them on the waitress so they could count the feel and they couldn't complain because they get fired. It was just, it was bad, but it wasn't, I didn't make me laugh either. Like if you're going to like kind of do that, I think you got to get a harder laugh. And then in the middle was the dingbat duck thing. It was the same kind of thing. I think just done better, but nothing is going to beat the mozzarella sticks. Please be careful. They're hot. Mm. Are they hot, Dork? Are you trying to tell me that these sticks of molten cheese that just came out of the deep fryer, they're hot? Well, yeah, I don't want you to get burned. Thank you so much for helping me out. What I've done if you weren't here. Bye, beat it. Bye, Jesse. Sorry. The way Dee just takes the waiter to task, and then she eats him, and you watch her just burn the shit out of her mouth. They never say it outright. You just watch Caitlin Olsen do her physical acting, and it is awesome. It, dude, she makes a scene. It, it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, her stuttering, that was good, too. But the way like she pretended oh, yeah. to burn dude, her mouth. The way mouth. she bites into that, dude, and it's so good. Oh, and just the, the line to the dude. The timing's perfectly. So just shout out to all the, like, she crushes. It's her world, but shout out to the other actors, the director, like they, like everything was timed perfectly with that. Even Frank was just perfect in that scene to just go from like, she's ripping him an asshole on how hot it is. And the fact that he's a dumbass for telling her, and then she bites right in and it rips her face open. It's just great, dude. Two words, molten cheese. We've all been there, Mills. We've all had that molten hot and cheese. That's good. That's the best cheese you can get. Molten hot. Yeah, right, because you can't taste anything you eat after that for two days. Dennis and Charlie have been exploring, and they find a room where the old animatronic characters are being kept. They locate Justine the Teenage Dream and discover that her breasts have been sanded off. They're not sure who is responsible, but they know that they're disgusted with the entire situation. For me, like, honestly, I thought one of the funniest parts was when they're convincing themselves it's okay to look at her breasts. Like, that to me was just so funny. Like, even leading up to that, they're trying to figure out, like, Man, this shit's confusing because honestly, like, yes, it's a good thing that we're so thoughtful of shit nowadays, but it does can make it kind of confusing, especially when you're like, you know, if you're like, in, if they didn't see no man now, like how confused wouldn't see no man be right? Like it's, a, it's a wild time out there in the world and it's all, and it's good shit. It's, it's good that it's like that, but it's like, man, it's tough. And so I thought that was so funny where they're like confusing themselves about like, but they are purple. Who? What? Monsters, you know, like monsters are purple. 
Yeah, blue, green, purple, orange. So we can't just like not have purple monsters in bands anymore. All right, you know what? I. Oh, but they should have white voices. Well, they should have monster voices. They should have monster voices because we need yeah. monster representation. <laughs> the monsters need representation, and this like it was just very funny how they got because you can just straight up like confuse yourself on this shit. And I also thought it was great like how they tried to convince themselves of like yes, like let's justify removing your shirt. It's for science, like just classic the gang here. I thought it was kind of a funny scene. Yeah, so what you're trying to say is it's just just wonderful to try to watch two men in their 40s justified looking at teenage animatronic titties, which may or may not be an Adult Swim, you know, uh, cartoon coming soon. I mean, dude, let's be honest, animatronic titties is fun to say, isn't it? It just, I don't know why, but it really flows. Let me just ask you, we, we hear about the members of the Risky Rats Band. You got Spaz, Drummer, you got Chef Greaseball Linguini, you got Dr. Slice. And the funky Funko Sapien. Those are all awesome. I am going to use Dr. Slice. It sounds like a golfer who kind of washed out and became a porn actor. I I think that's pretty cool. Jamie G, if we had to kind of like create our own band with four members, you know, a Risky Rats, Chuck E. Cheese's type of band, who would you have? Like, and what are they kind of? You got something for me? I I got a couple. So if I were to, if I were to go totally opposite and do like a, a super type thing, right? I would go Dr. Mighty. All right. So Dr. Mike Mighty is your guy. And then you've got Sarah Strong. You've got PD Power. And then you've got Leroy Lift. And it's a whole gang. And it's very funny. That's that. But dude, if I was going to go something similar to what the gang has at Risky Rats, I would go with Reverend Risk Taker. All right. He preaches the gospel of taking risks, followed by Loose Lucy. She's a real wild character. And then we've got Jerry the Jerk. Uh, Jerry Jerk, he just is literally a jerk to you the entire time, yelling at you, being an asshole, uh, just making you feel bad for being there. And I think you need that. And then we've got Franklin. Forget about it. He's just a guy who forgets about everything, but he's a good time by all. I would go there. Sign me up. Magnum Mills, what are you working with? Uh, the first one sounds like it would be just that, like if Chuck E. Cheese existed in the boys universe. So I like that. <laughs> And instead of, uh, let me just, uh, just a minor suggestion, instead of Jerry the Jerk, Jay Jerkin. It's already been done. Jay Jerkin. Love it. The uh, that would just changed. be just a minor, just minor note. I don't, I don't like to note to death. Uh, if I had to make a four-member Chuck E. Cheese's type band, I would go with, uh, probably lead singer would be Danny Diablo. He's like a Tasmanian devil kind of dude. Then you got to have the hot chick, right? So you got Misty the Mermaid. I guess she plays bass because who needs bass players anyways? And then you need another guitarist, probably, maybe saxophone or something like that. So how about Snoop Froggy Frog? So it's like basically if Kermit the Frog was a pothead. And you need a drummer. All great bands need a drummer. So give me Greasy Gary Thunderhands. You be kind of whatever animal you want, but I think Greasy Gary Thunderhands works and it calls back the Thunder Gun. And a bonus, if they had a manager or your MC, it could be a Dr. Claw. But instead of the Inspector Edge, Dr. Claw, he's got a claw like a claw game. Love it, dude. That's 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 a win for me all the way around. Yeah, except for the claw game, because you can never actually win in the claw game. Shit's right. After that, it's time to check it on Mac, who's in the timeout room with Sam, the kid he was playing skee-ball next to. They both talk about their feelings, and after a bit of sass, they find some common ground. Neither of them wants to be in the feeling center, and they just want to go have fun and do what they want. After all, isn't that the point of Risky Rats? The talking dog decides that they've learned their lesson, so they can leave. This pisses Mac off, and he tells Sam that he's a pussy, 
but it's not his fault. Mac then leaves after warning the dog against diddling the kid. Uh, what do you think, man? What's up with Mac kind of being just so childlike, right? I liked it in the first scene, but as the episode went on, it kind of felt like if they would work work to something with a climax, I might have liked it, but it seems like they really went nowhere with it. And they kind of just needed something for him to do, and they didn't have a really fully fleshed out arc here. Yeah, I would say that I think the I think it just peaked early. The climax was really kind of like you could say like him at the at, actually at ski ball was really funny. But I think the climax was him in the timeout room. The one thing Mac did was he kind of like showed like, hey, well, this is like what life used to be back when I was a kid. And now it's not. And I think he did that more more so than maybe any other character, maybe sans Frank. But Frank was kind of just. Frank was just Frank this time. He wasn't like a whole thing for him. I think Mac really delivered on that. And I think he didn't have necessarily a whole, I think it ran its course early. I just, I just think that he kind of peaked early. Do you like the way they made a choice to basically treat Mac? Like, I don't know, a 12 year old kid throughout the whole episode. I mean, they do it right down to he's brought into the timeout room there. No one mentions him being older. He's talking to the kid about his mom. He's in there drinking a juke box, a juice box. Do you like that they kind of went that way with it and just embrace like Mac is suddenly 12 years old in this episode, more or less? I think he's the only character they could have did it with. And I think it was cool. Charlie, they could have done it with Charlie. Maybe Charlie, but then you but then you lose so much of Charlie though, and they kind of needed Charlie on this other thing. Like by doing that to Charlie, you kind of you take away from like Charlie's usually the hitter. So you take away kind of like your home run hitter and you put him in this other. I think it I think it worked, man. I, I think it worked. Like I'm okay with it. Like I I know that's gonna be a criticism for a lot of people out there, and rightfully so, but for me, I think it worked just because the way the character team ups were, it just kind of left Mac on his own. And he has that Mac has always had that youthful, dumb innocence. And I think it just kind of worked. Oh, I don't hate it. I think good performances. I just feel like they kind of they just couldn't find an end to that plot line, so it just kind of ends with a whimper and, and not a bang, more or less. It, you know, the that's whole episode ends with a bang. Dude, that's you can get rid of true. it, but it, it just peaked early. Like they ne- they didn't have another peak. It just kind of like yeah, it just seemed like they were driving at something here, and they just couldn't quite you know pick an exit or whatever, or pick a lane, whatever you want to call it. I'd agree with that. Back out on the arcade floor, Deke and Frank find the last piece to complete their joke hunt. After a back and forth about what accent makes a joke funny, they meet the rest of the gang to watch the stage show. They're all disappointed so far, but they hope that the stage show can turn things around. The show starts and everything except the music is different. It's not even Risky Rats anymore. It's RobbiePizza.com. Disgusted, the gang comes up with a new plan. They're going to recreate the old Riskies so that the kids there can have the same experience they had when they were younger. Jamie G, I have to ask you for someone who has been to Philadelphia at least a couple of times. Do you, could you really believe that the old Risky Rats was one of the best bars in Philly? It can't be. I mean, it literally. I mean, it would be David Buster's then, right? Just, I mean, David Buster's is basically adult risky rats, more or less. Pretty much, dude. Like, I mean, they have the bar. Like, that's where like you go, and then you let your kid run wild, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, it can't be, dude. I've been to a bunch of really awesome bars in Philadelphia. Some like just straight up like Irish pubs that are amazing. Others that are like new age with incredible food. Others that are just pure sports bars. There's so many great bars in Philadelphia, a city that is made to drink. I cannot, there's no way I could believe that I would put that way up there. I I just, it would have to be incredible. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was like a dollar pitchers and like, you know, 
$2 pints of booze or something. I, I don't know. There had to be something crazy. Yeah, see, this is where I wish there was a little bit more to the joke where they talk about it. They go over to, to the bridge to like drive into Camden or something, and then it would make sense that it was one of the best bars in South Jersey. That would have maybe been a little bit funnier. How about the Robbie Pizza thing, man? You think that was a bait and switch? Because the whole episode, we still see that the, the, the double R logo, not Rough Riders, but uh, you know, Risky Rats, it's all over the place. So you never got the impression they were going to do a complete rebrand. So did the RobbiePizza.com thing throw you off? And can you name something after a website? The Robbie Pizza thing definitely threw me off a little bit. Um, it, it just didn't seem like it... They this didn't need weird. that joke, right? Even if just it had been bad and they just didn't say risky, that would have done it. They didn't need right. to do the Robbie Pizza doc. And shout out to the dude who, uh, you know, because I, of course, due diligence, went to RobbiePizza.com. There's uh, some dude who squatted on him. Good for you. Good job. All right, man. How about the, the D-line? This is a little bit of her. Was it a Martina Martinez, her character back in the day? You know, D loves her yes. accent work. So what's up with the uh, jalapeno business? You just got to put some sass on there. It also could be Mexican, I guess, because of the jalapeno. That's a Mexican pepper. Um, oh. It's jalapeno business. I thought this was great because, again, they, the whole gag is they don't know what satire is while doing satire. It's it, This was super awesome. I thought you were going to say this in the notable callbacks because, like, she goes straight back to that episode where she's the she, I'm a Latina in the city, where she goes into the whole thing, dude. Like, that was so funny. I'm just playing. I'm Latina Martina. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was great. While they're trying to say it's not racist and they don't know what satire is, they're doing racism satire at the same. It just. I don't know. That was a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, the whole satire quote, I, I get it. it. The funny part is I've been doing an, an Archer rewatch, and that definitely comes up in Archer Vice, the fifth season. What's ironic is that every other store we drive by is a gun shop. Oh, okay. So then what's satire? Nobody really knows. I keep getting flashbacks of that. Maybe it's just the timing or whatever. And uh, Jamie G, if I told you you could get Chuck E. Cheese pizza without having to go there, would you be interested? I've heard it referred no. to as slightly better than than uh, Little Caesars, for what it's worth. No. Well, <laughs> you know, be. during COVID, Chuck E. Cheese, you know, they couldn't have people in. So they actually got into the delivery game and they sold pizza under the name Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Wow. The gang springs into motion. Dennis and Charlie reassemble the old animatronic characters and set them up, while Frank designates an area as the bar. Dee assaults a worker and steals their costume. Then she joins forces with Frank to recruit customers to their new, old, Risky Rats. Mac confirms that they've got a crowd waiting to come in. They're going to count to three and then open the door at the same time Frank pulls a switch to start the show. They count down, and Frank pulls it, and we immediately cut to the aftermath in the parking lot outside. There's police, firefighters, and paramedics on the scene. Kids are injured, parents are screaming, kids are looking for their parents, and we see some of the animatronic characters who look like they were in an electrical fire. The gang blames everything on the kids and then decide to get the hell out of there in the credits roll. Uh, Jamie G, I definitely got some flashbacks to say uh, the, the gang exploits the, the gas crisis when they just blow the, the dude's van up at the end and just book. Yes. This is, for me, a very classic ending. On some level, I wish we had seen a short montage of the aftermath. 
But the fact that we don't in the way they just caught and they go to kind of the the bicycle, you know, you hear the little bicycle uh, bell and it's like kind of a happy uplifting joint and they just, I don't know, it completely worked for me. Uh, what do you think about the ending of the episode here? It was awesome. I mean, honestly, I, I think they've, they've grown so much over the years from a standpoint of the way the camera works and just the, the, the sheer kind of like, I don't know. They're, the ability to pr- produce a a better a better looking episode. This is it, dude. They go to like straight up like panic mode. You know, you got kids screaming. Goes to this one. Camera switches over here. There's somebody crying. New guys in the corner puking his guts out. Like this was this was really cool for that. I thought that was really fun. I enjoyed this ending a lot. And it's the typical sunny ending. It leaves us in a you know a little bit of suspense. You kind of got to figure it out on your own, like well, what happened? But that's that's perfect, dude. I thought this was really good, well shot, looked great. This is as good of his ending as as we've had easily in the last season or two, in my opinion. Oh, I think this is probably going to be up there in my favorite, like top ten final scenes of an episode ever. The montage. Yeah. Everything about it, like D choking the guy out and stealing her costume. I'm, I'm hoping to death that was Caitlin also kind of running around in that costume because just it, it, everything about it is funny. Frank's got the the weird hat. I was like a he's a wine salesman, wine salesman hat. I think uh, just everything. And Dennis, like when they're putting the guys together, you just watch him put that bubble tape back in for Justine's breast, and he's just so uh, careful and deliberate. You got the the mouse. I don't know if that was risky or not, but he's got the one really bloodshot eye. And then you actually see the old Risky Rat logo, which looks like like a kind of like greasy rat smoking a cigarette. Everything about this final scene, just complete gangbusters, 100 over 100, absolutely everything about it worked for me. For an episode that maybe you could nitpick and want them to do slightly different, this kind of makes up for a lot of, of, of things and desires from earlier on. I'll tell you what, before we kick off the award tour here, let's find out how other Sunny fans feel about this episode. We're not the only two uh, dudes in the world, bozos that were watching this one. Mills, what's the reaction been like so far? What's what's the internet speak like, dude? What's what's the computer tell us? On the subreddit, on Reddit, the Always Sunny subreddit, it's been a little bit mixed. You had people who absolutely loved it and people who absolutely hate it. If we go over to IMDB, Risky Rats, Pizza and Amusement Center, it's been a little bit more kind of down the middle. It has a rating of 82 which puts it in a 10-way tie for 103rd overall among Sunny episodes. That roughly places it in the bottom one-third of Sunny episodes. Uh, Jamie G's uh, Goldilocks this one for me. Is this kind of just right, too low, too high? Risky Rats, bottom third episode. I think it's too low. I think it's too low. I think it's at least... Top 50%? I think so. Top 50% feels about right to me, I think. Maybe you so. quibble top 45 or something, but, you know, bottom third definitely seems a little low for the amount of laughs I got and the fact that I think it is legitimately in the running to be like a top 10 ending of an episode ever. Yeah, I totally agree. I think maybe, you know, again, maybe we you would think a lot of these Sunnies fans are from the same era that we are. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they are. Maybe they didn't appreciate it as much as we did. Maybe it's just that they've been on such a run. I mean, from from Frank versus Russia on, They've been putting out some really good episodes here. I think the season as a whole has been really good. So maybe they just felt a little bit let down on what could have been here. But for me, I definitely think that's way too low. 
Fair enough, man. I think the potential of the season at least shows that the show has more places to go. I don't know that they've always cashed in, you know, and really kind of maximized some of these uh, plot opportunities they had, but I've still really enjoyed it. Probably definitely at this point, the season I've enjoyed the most since 12, probably. So far, I'm just going to say it. I think this is better than last season, and it's not even close. There were some moments last season, but I think overall, six episodes in, this is better than what they did in season 15. Yeah, I, I think it's comfortably better than 15 and 14 and then obviously 13. So like I said, I think it's right. my favorite since 12. I would agree. Man, it's hard to think of alternate titles here considering Risky Rat, Pizza, and a Music Center was so good. But shit, you know what it is. It's Night Pod Cometh. We're going to try. Because God damn it, it's something we do every week. Just like trying to take over the world. Mills, can you top this one this week? I have one that might be able to top it. Dennis and Charlie check out some animatronic titties. I would be very interested in that episode if I saw it. How about yourself? You got one? The legend of the switchblade comb, I think, would be really good. I'm, I'm a big switchblade comb guy. So, like, if, if they came out with an episode where it was, like, season six, the legend of the switchblade comb, or the gang finds a switchblade comb, that would be awesome for me. Like, I, I think I would be pretty excited about that. Yeah, if we had to fit the usual the gang format, I'd probably go with the gang does whatever they want. That's a good one, too. And, and you know, if you wanted to go just real kind of vague, Joe Con. Or Joe Con? Joe Con. <laughs> I forget. The Joe Con, dude. I love that. They, I love that they threw in Joe Con. And we're not even sure what it is. We're not even sure if that's the joke or not, dude. That's that's the joke. It's gotta huh? be, dude. It's gotta be because Joe Con is that's funny in and of itself. Like, I don't know, dude, I want like there to be like a bunch of like kids parties where there's a joke hunt. Like, I just think that for adults, well, Jamie G, all I can say is that's what the bone was for. <laughs> I, I just said, I wanted a bunch of kids parties to have a joke. Hunt. <laughs> joke hunt. Dude, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you what, dude. like now I see how it made its way in, dude. Like now all of a sudden you got to have a joke hunt. Let's open up the award tour by highlighting our favorite quotes from the episode. Magna Mills, you're up first here. What do you got for us? I got to go with some char den right here. Now, wait a second. We could just be two mature men with an interest in robotics. This could be science, is what you're saying. I think this is a scientific experiment, and that's one way to look at it. And this is for the good of future robots, so right? For the good like, of science, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and... Yeah. And that is how two men in their 40s talk themselves into looking at some teenage animatronic titties, which may or may not be a Ninja Turtle spinoff. Jamie G. Absolutely incredible. Um, I'm going to go with Mac at the ski ball with the little kid, where he's like, uh, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Yeah, you can. This is America. You can do whatever the fuck you want. That was just so perfect for me. And just this show is so good at the the satire and america fuck yeah uh this is following fourth of july weekend like yeah dude that was cool and especially the kid then being oh yeah i need to check with my mom first though <laughs> yeah <laughs> perfect right. the next stop on the award tour is our favorite scene or moment from this episode titled risky rats pizza and amusement center Oh, dude, lots of good ones here, but how can I not go with the end? The the ending was just, it's way up there. We talked about it. That's it for me, man. Fa- favorite scene, favorite moment. That whole, that whole end montage was just, and it hit, it delivered. Yeah, it's everything. Mills? 
Yeah, shout out, uh, you know, Charlie, Charlie and Dennis, obviously getting it done. Dean and Frank in the restaurant kind of eating area there. But yeah, dude, the final two minutes or so of the episode, basically when they decide that they're going to bring back the old Riskies, everything from there to the final cut to credits is just gold, Jamie, gold. And am I doing a Seinfeld thing or am I calling you Jamie Gold and doing a poker thing? Who knows? Jamie Gold here, Esquire the Fifth. And you know what? The next stop, it's one of our favorites. This is our five-star man or woman for Risky Rats Pizza or Amusement Center. This is where we rank the characters in the episode from one star to five stars, with one being the worst, the absolute worst, and five-star man or woman being our episode MVP. Magna Mills, you're up first. I hate to do it, but down at one, I'm going to go with Frank. Outside of the kind of opening gag, with the physical comedy in the water fountain, he just basically kept doing the same joke over and over, right? Like, things were way different in my day. Uh, and Danny DeVito is obviously capable and more. He had a couple of good gags in the montage at the end. Nothing I'd go crazy for. At two, I have Mac. I think he got more laughs than Frank. And uh, the ticket redemption scene in my notes, I just literally say that was the tits. At three, I have Charlie. He's not quite as, you know, premium as usual, but still gets some good stuff, especially the bit when he starts kicking the wall. Loved all that. I, I just think maybe he was kind of the secondary guy in his scenes. We'll get to that in a minute. At four, I have D. Maybe a little bit repetitive along the lines of the way Frank was, but still the per capita laughs here were huge. Left my ass off a D this episode. And my five-star man is going to be none other than the OG five-star man, Dennis Reynolds, because not only was he hysterical in this episode, I also found it to be quite intriguing. That's an excellent mix. Jamie G, who are your five-star people? Very similar to you, Magnum Mills. A little bit of difference. Let's start right off number one. I had Mac as my one-star man. And don't get me wrong, this is a good one-star. I mean, Mac delivered some really funny moments, some kind of some jaw-droppers. When he, when he drops the fuck in front of the kid at Skee-Ball, that's, I, I mean, I that was my favorite, that was my favorite uh, quote like that's a big moment for me I think that's great but he still is just one star that's how good this episode is two star for me is going to be Frank same thing I didn't get a ton out of Frank here I do love the gag at the beginning where he's drinking the water hilarious and then just kind of his pairing with D really allowed D to shine so for me I got I got Frank at two um the, my three star is going to be Charlie same kind of thing just Charlie is on such a pedestal because he's amazing. He had some moments here. Don't get me wrong. He's great. Uh, he's three for a reason, but not up to the typical Charlie standard, but still very good. Four for me is going to be D. This was one of the D's been hot all season. We just finally got more D this episode, which was really cool. I, I think if they can find a way to incorporate D in more episodes kind of throughout in her storyline, I think, I think she'll shine. Uh, D's been a really nice mix this season. I really enjoyed her. This episode was awesome for D. And then for five, I've got my guy, Dennis Reynolds, because he is a golden god. And he deserves to be the five-star man. For our last stop here, we're going to give a grade to Risky Rats Pizza and Amusement Center. We grade each episode of Sunny on a scale of zero to 100 patty bucks. We got to stimulate that economy. Magna Mills, I'm up first here. For me, I'm giving this 91 Patty's Bucks. Really enjoyed this episode. It definitely cracked into the 90s for me. I'm probably higher on it than most for the reasons we talked about throughout this episode. But for me, 91 Patty's Bucks. Balling. 
that's certainly solid. I have nothing wrong with you being pretty high on this one. I'm going to go with 84 Patty's Bucks. So that kind of puts it tied for the basically in the top half of this season. I, I feel that's pretty fair. Nothing wrong with it. But again, I, I think there's a couple of the storylines that could have paid off better. Ton of potential here. Classic ending. Just, oh, I don't think it quite, you know, I don't think it was as efficient as I would have liked it to be, or just quite frankly, as, you know, the per capita laughs were good. But again, there was classic episode potential here. And they, just didn't quite find a way to kind of land the plane on that one. Mills, we're three quarters of the way through season 16 already. Blows my mind. Based on our episode grades, what do the season 16 episode rankings look like today? All right. At the bottom, we have the Gang Inflates, which was the season premiere. And at number five, our fifth ranked out of the six so far, we have Frank Shoots, every member of the gang. At four... We have Celebrity Booze, The Ultimate Cash Grab. That was episode five. At number three, we have Risky Rats, Pizza and Amusement Center. That was this episode. At number two, we have The Gang Gets Cursed. At number one, we have Frank versus Russia with a bullet. So to recap, that's number one, Frank versus Russia. Two, The Gang Gets Cursed. Three, Risky Rats. Four, Celebrity Booze. Five, Frank shoots every member of the gang, and six, the gang inflates. And just a heads up, we're going to talk about our predictions for the next episode, which will include discussing the teaser trailer for the episode. If you guys do not want to be spoiled on that, go ahead and bounce now. This is your chance. We appreciate you checking us out, and we'll see you again next week right here on A Night Pod Cometh. For everybody else, Mills, you're going to tell us what we're working with. The next episode is Season 16, Episode 7, The Gang Goes Bowling. The short plot synopsis is the guys crash D's bowling league night and compete in a battle of the sexes at a bowling alley owned by the McFoyles. And as far as notes from the trailer, we saw a lot of these things in the Season 16 overall trailer. Right at the beginning, we see the McFoyles polishing their bowling balls, uh, Jesus from the Big Lebowski style. Gail the Snail wants to start jello shots, and in the season 16 trailer, she's also worried about some itching in her crotch area. We definitely get some bowling action as far as the battle of the sexes, and Frank is using what I believe is the thumb hole of a bowling ball to hold salsa for his chips or nachos. And uh, we see the waitress actually kick one of those uh, punching bag things where you punch as hard as you can that Dennis in turns punches. And thinks that he broke his hand. And if you actually look behind him in that scene, there's just a random video game called Smoking Token Extreme. All right, Jamie G, who do you think is going to win the Battle of the Sexes? Will anybody win? I think nobody wins. And I think that's the point. All right, who's the best bowler? I believe we see on the female side, you have Artemis, uh, Gail the Snail, D, and the Waitress. Yeah, the guy side, you have the guys. Who do you think is going to win? I think the waitress is the best. The best bowler. Waitress is the winner, the best bowler. That would make sense, right? Uh, on the, uh, the the gang side, it makes sense. It's probably Charlie because, of course, he would be. And are the McFoyles just there to be the, the you know, to show up and be the owners of the bowling alley? Or do you think they're going to play a bigger role in the plot? I hope that they play a bigger role, but I think it's just, I think it's just a one-off, unfortunately. I'm hoping because based on the multiple trailers, we get at least two scenes with them. If you get three or four, that's pretty major because there's usually only, you know, 12 to 15 scenes on an episode. So I'm hoping there could be a little bit more there. 
Uh, what do you think? Could there be any guest stars that we haven't seen in the trailers? We get a random like cricket appearance. Any anybody else out of the blue? Anything? I could definitely see a cricket. I could also see. Uh, I could also see a freaking. Um, oh god! The lawyer is going to come in, and he's the one who does the contract for the battle of the sexes. I like that, lawyer, but hang on. lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. Bro, I could definitely see a pepper jack work in the bowling alley. Pepper Jack loves bowling. I, I could see it. That's him. like Frank Rock, dude. He loves it. Pepper I Jack would, loves I would bowling. Love pepper Jack, dude. They teased us a little bit, you know, at the last episode. Maybe you get one of the Philadelphia players. Who knows, man? I mean, I, I but it, either way, I, I think it'll be fun. Does my question for you, does does Dennis really break his hand here? What's what's happening? I just like that we didn't. In the, we saw both of those in the season sixteen and the episode teaser trailer, but in the season sixteen trailer, we did not see what we see here, and that's the waitress does like a Bruce Lee kick to that. So I'm guessing maybe she's been taking some self defense classes or something like that. I'm curious as to what the waitress is kind of. Uh, you know, every year she's got a different story, right? She's doing good, then she's in rehab, she's at home, she's homeless, she's in a shelter. Like, what do you think's up with the waitress? You know, I'm trying to think back when the last time we saw the wait- waitress was. She found D in the bog last season in season 15. Remember, she was randomly in Ireland and she fell oh, yeah, in right. the bog. Yeah, okay. All right. So I'm hoping we get uh, this. Sounds like this is going to be positioned for her to be better than that. That was kind of a, that was just kind of like a, hey, we got to use her somewhere. I think this is going to be a, be- I'll just say this. I think this is going to be a better usage of the waitress. And I think she'll be a little bit better for us here. I like that she's a ringer. Oh yeah, yeah, we get Gail the Snail too. So the uh, the women's team is dude. Shout out Gail the Snail. I just want her once to just yell out Jack. Well, then you need Uncle Jack to show up. So then you want Uncle Jack to show up so that she can do it. Yes. Fuck yeah, dude! If Uncle Jack was there and like his hand, do you get a little twenty four ass Chloe Jack yell? And then what if Skyper, and then what if they just cut the card for someone and drinking a white Russian at the bowling bar like he's the goddamn Big Lebowski? And then they and then they do a full blown kingpin where one of Uncle Jack's large hands gets stuck on the bowling ball, and she's like, "Jack!" And his hand goes down the bowling alley. No, 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 no! Don't look! Don't look! Don't look! Don't look! Oh, Uncle Jack, you are a you're a horrible person, but you're hysterical. Well, Magna Mills, on behalf of us all. Thank you guys so much for checking out The Night Pod Cometh. We love you. You're truly a five-star person. If you have any thoughts on this episode, please let us know in the comments. Hit us up on our social meds at Night Pod Cometh. Let us know what you thought of this, things you love, things you hated, things you want more of. Dude, we love talking sunny. Hit us up. Magna Mills. You know what we want more of, dude? We want more of doing whatever we want. Because that's what you do at Risky Rats. That's what we do on The Night Pod Cometh. Shout out the soup deucer, feeling a little bit under the weather. Couldn't make it tonight. I know he had some things to say about tokens and prizes. Perhaps we'll check back in on that at a later date. Again, thank you for checking out the Night Pod Cometh. Find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. On that social needs at Night Pod Cometh. We might even be doing a threads thing now. If you don't know, check us out on threads. Maybe we're there. Maybe we're not. Spoiler alert, we probably are. And that's basically it. Just don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. It only takes you a second, but it helps other people find the show. We greatly appreciate it. And that about does it. This has been the Night Five Cometh. I'm Megan Mills. He's Jamie G. And 
Thanks again for checking out our show. And most importantly, being a fighter for the Night Podcast. This has been The Night Pod Cometh, presented by the Joe Blow Football Show. We are in no way associated with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Three Arts Entertainment, RCG Productions, FXP, or FXX. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Any views or opinions expressed here are personal and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations who may or may not be associated with the Joe Blow Football Show. If you have any questions, please contact us at nightpodcometh at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment.